Central Division 50th anniversary podcast celebration continues. David. Yeah, it's everything we got into uh, the, the business, the content creation business and the fruit to do podcast for a year. I think everyone's dream was for us to get to 50 and then to call it, call it quits, you know? It is a funny thing because I'm both kind of impressed by the fact that we've done a year's worth 50 episodes and also a little embarrassed by it. It's like the perfect, it's like if you eat a lot and you're like, no one has ever eaten that many chili dogs. And you're like, congratulations. And you're like, thanks. Wait, what? (laughs) Sometimes my daughter will say who's three, three and a half. uh, She'll say, uh, are you going to do your podcast? And it sounds really funny. (laughs) That is incredible. Yeah. Um, She's like, my dad does podcasts. (laughs) See, I I wasn't told what a podcast was until I was 40. Then I was finally ready to to learn. I was, I was too, it was too daunting. I don't even remember. Can you remind me how we came up with the idea to do this? I I remember certain things that you suggested or. I think I suggested it. Well, we also, uh, you know, when, when I came to New York and recorded the ACL, the first ACL podcast Mm -hmm. with Mickey Drexler, do you remember we had, you were going to be the second guest on the podcast (laughs) and then, and then we flooded the zone with, and we recorded it, but then we flooded the zone with so many central division recordings. I thought, why it doesn't make any sense to, you know, no one wants to hear us talk more than we already do. So um, I think, I think it was when we, when we decided it may, cause it may, it makes a lot of sense to me that if you're interested in what you're doing and what I'm doing on the newsletter side of things with the contender and with ACL on Substack, there's a, um, there's a case for overlap between the two of them. If you like, if you like one of those things individually, you'll probably like both. We don't really do things the same way. So it felt like, Oh, this could be a good combo thing. And then I think I I was thinking like we could do a little podcast as like a, you know, this is like the, the value add or the bonus, mm. um, you know, for anyone that's subscribed to both. Um, so I think like, that's kind of how it started. And, you know, I think it's, it's worked better than I thought it would, you know, <laughs> to be honest. I, I just enjoy it. I, you know, it's nice talking to you. It, it brings a kind of a funny structure to a friendship, which is not really what I think of when I think of friendship, where it's like, yeah. okay, I will talk to you on Monday at this time. It's sort of completely the opposite of how, how things are normally, unless it's Friday afternoon and you're something that makes more sense, but it's, it's, it's nice. And, uh, to see you and talk to you, but it's also strange when people, anything that you do virtually that ends up out in the world, you don't know what's going to happen when people hear it or how they, or the, and, and podcasts are so intimate in a way because they're often listened to on headphones in someone's personal space in their car, if they're whatever, whatever they're doing in their kitchen. And it's strange to think that that we're being listened to by <laughs> relatives, rela- relatives of relatives, relatives of loved ones, loved ones, strangers, enemies. Yeah, it's, it's cool. I, you know, I've seen comments bubble up just kind of all over the place too, in DMs, on stories, uh, in, you know, on Instagram posts, like all over the place where people say, you know, questions about like, what will David think of this? Or, you know, are you wearing your eight inch gap shorts or, you know, just like funny little things that kind of come out of the, the, which makes it feel more, more like a community. It's actually even more so than the newsletter. It's like, this feels like something we're kind of all, all together, you know, in, in together on and which is cool. 
I think it's in that sense, like it's fun not to be overly sentimental about it. No, it's nice. I mean, it's, it's also funny if someone ever says they listen to the podcast, usually they just start laughing. I don't know. That seems like the only way you, if you, if someone says it's like, it's a little bit secretive or it's highly, you know, it's kind of like talk between you and a bartender or a tailor or something kind of intimate or something, which is nice. We're not going to talk about it the whole time. We are going to have some, some guests today. We're going to let some air into the podcast. Some friends of ours are stopping by later that we're going to talk to, but, um, it is, I, I wanted to have some sort of sound effect. I wanted to ring a bell or strike a gong or do something <laughs> to, to, and naturally I didn't do any of that. And I also thought it might be upsetting if, because we've been so <laughs> adamantly lo-fi or reluctantly <laughs> lo-fi, depending on how you do it, that it would be strange if we had any, anything. In well, you're in, the, you're in the woods. I think you should fire off the shotgun just into the, into the air <laughs> I, or your AK. I, I feel like I, that would uh, work. I, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll aim for a red squirrel. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not very good with firearms. I'm more of a, I'm more of a catch and release, but yeah, it would be just, uh, yeah, do something, um, hit the oars together. Um, I would, and it's funny because when we started this a year ago, I was in Wisconsin too. You were in LA. We've been on, I mean, so we, the idea of central division is both where both of our baseball teams are in the central division, but also there was kind of a divide. I'm on the East coast. You're on the West coast. That was the high concept behind mm-hmm. central division, but we've very rarely been in the same place. Yeah. We, I guess just, we have just recorded one together and it was better together, I think <laughs> in, in a way, but also like this feels good too. I think it's, it's a little bit easier when you're not in the same room, mm. even if you are in video, because you just, you can kind of sort of drift off a little bit without having to sort of maintain like the connection of, you know, being sure. in someone's physical space. Um, you can sort of think, and um, I think so it works either way, but yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. We've never really been together to do it. Um, and, you know, I've, I've grown accustomed to not being around you. So it's pretty nice. Well, it is funny. You also, you do get notes. So my mom has just learned how to listen to the podcast. So she's very into it and usually listens to it the day it comes out and offers a lot of feedback. She's a big team, team Michael fan. She, she thinks they're very charming. My sister, of course, listens to the show and she's mostly here for fact checking purposes. Um, I, I just heard from, from your wife just on the, on the topic of a, of some fact checking and I, I don't know. There's a big story about when Michael was uh, supposedly the, <laughs> de-upgraded. I'd never even heard this phrase. It's being used by your wife here. Um, that she called to de-upgrade you from a business class so you could ride with her. And she just wants to clarify. Um, she called it a dramatic story about how she called the airline to de-upgrade him from first class on a trip that we were both on. But what you omitted was the part that we were traveling with our one-year-old and had a row of three. So if Michael upgraded, he was going to leave me with a one-year-old and a stranger for five hours. Um, Anything to say? Yeah, yeah. Here's my rebuttal to that. (laughs) And this goes, this speaks to our fundamental differences as people. Uh, You know, I, the way I see that situation is I got upgraded. Yes, we do have a one-year-old human that we're responsible for. Um, and I thought my wife would also get upgraded and we would be able to both be in the front of the plane with the, with the micro human and it would be fine. (laughs) 
And she thought, well, I'm not going to risk being separate. We can control the whole row. Oh, so I I'm going to like not take the chance that I'll get up there. And, you know, it's just, it's fine. You know, she sees the world a certain way and I see it a certain way. And, and I think that's uh that's part of life. You know, I, I, I say, well, let's roll the dice on, on a double upgrade. But, but would you roll the dice on a double upgrade if she might be upgraded first and you're in the back with a stranger and a microhuman? would that have been, or would you get on the phone and, and uh, make sure? I that think happened? like if, if that was the case, she could always switch with the person that got the seat next to us in our row. Right. Like any rational person, you'd be like, Hey, I'm in first class. Do you yeah, want right. to switch? So we could all of sit course. together. I like so it. It would have been fine. Ooh, I right? like it. So you had a contingency plan. I like it very well. Yeah. Um, but it's, ni- it's nice to be able to, that's the nice part about getting married. <laughs> what they don't tell you, what you don't get is all the fine print, right? You just, you're up there. You're like, love this car. Definitely, you know, this, the payment seems right. Well, let's go for it. Right. But what you don't see is all, all the little details like this, where you get, they, they don't tell you, guess what? You're now in control of this person's, you know, flying life. So if they yeah, decide yeah. they want to sit somewhere, you can veto it, which is great. Um, Comes in handy. Any, anyone else that you uh, were su- surprised, listened to the show or, co- or feedback you've gotten unexpectedly from people in your life in the last year? Um, you know, people not not really surprised at certain people that listen, um, but I am surprised that people I know listen as sort of devotedly as they do. And I I was, you know, that comes up sometimes where they, they listen and they do really know like, oh, I know this next week is the 50th episode or blah, blah, blah. And like little details that sort of are in deep in some of these, you know, the deep cuts, mm. basically. Mm. Um, you know, I'm surprised sometimes when people say that, oh, you know, and I'm like, wow, I can't, you know, it's kind of surprising you listen. But I think, um, yeah, I think people, for some reason, like it. I'm not sure why. <laughs> it can't be me. It must be you, I, David. No, I, You're very I, likable. Think, I, I, I think uh, I've, I believe that um, once a week for 40 minutes is the dose that I'm best at, you know, and probably <laughs> 3000 miles away also helps. But I think the more, the more, I'm not sure it works easier on a regular basis, but if you just, if you're driving, you don't want to drive cross country. You just want to go an hour and one stop. Um, <laughs> you know, it's interesting. W- you say that I talked to the person that spends potentially the most time with you yeah. uh, in the world. Emily. <laughs> Yeah. And I got some notes as well about okay. <laughs> uh, her reaction uh, to the podcast. And she was, you know, much, much of what she said was very, very encouraging for you. And um, I think, uh, I think she was, she, she, she seems very committed to the podcast. Um, and, I, you know, I'm surprised my wife Liz listens, to be honest, you know, I wouldn't think if you're around me, like you would want to listen more to, to my bullshit. Um, but you know, I guess that there's something, maybe it is discovery, but one of the things I think Emily was surprised about was, and she said, I didn't realize so much talk of beer and sports was possible from two style experts. <laughs> so, which, um, yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's a fair, uh, <laughs> note. Uh, I don't, I don't know if that means you don't want to hear it if you're her or you're happy that you don't have to hear it in real life, because I don't know. People are sometimes surprised that I like sports um, and I did like them at one point um, much more or follow them much more. There is a discussion in our household about how much we watch them, which is clearly hardly at all. 
but to other people is an insane amount. And then I, then you start by saying, well, I used to watch all Premier League games and, and Yankees games. Now I don't do any of that. And that's sort of that. I don't think that tactic works. Well, I just generally for when debating something, don't say all the things you used to do. If you still have to explain why you're watching NFL red zone for an ungodly amount of time. But I think it's like one of those things where, and she did say that she, she also went on to say that she hoped that this is a good outlet for that. And that the TV can go in the cabinet. I guess she's <laughs> not like a TV person. Um, it's like one of those people that you meet when you're a child and they say, well, we don't have a TV, you know, which <laughs> right. to me is that's jarring stuff right there. But I, I think the sports thing is like, I know a lot of people that just watch cable news all the time, but they're not really watching, mm-hmm. you know, it's just like on all the time. Sure. Um, and that's kind of how I like sports. It's like, you're not like cheering, you know, really yeah, right. by the action all day. It's Clearly. just something that's kind of on. It's nice to like, you walk by, you stand there and watch for 10 minutes and then you keep, you know, go about your day, whatever. I think in that sense, like it's good. And, it, you know, but I can see why some people find it, jarring but uh, you know if it were me i would just have the tv on playing all, all day long and <laughs> this Cavs games uh you know it it says here in a note from from your wife that she listens more frequently than you think but then she adds often when doing chores around the house now i can't tell if that if by using the word chores around the house that she's implying that you don't think she does chores or that that's <laughs> that she, or that she wants to make it clear. Is she setting something down? Is she saying when she's working, not only is she working and doing chores, she's also listening to you and, and nominally supporting your pocket. <laughs> no comment on okay. that. And, not and not going to get sucked into that. <laughs> Thank you. She yeah. works really hard around the house. She does a lot. You know, I think it's important to point out that no one has any fun at our house. It's, you know, we're all just like, minding children and cleaning up and you know it's Mm. not like anyone you know i just always make a point to let her know don't worry i haven't had any fun this weekend you know (laughs) so don't don't stress out it's it's not enough that i don't have fun it must be known that you don't have fun as well you can't Um, be having they can't have fun and then i'm not having fun so everyone needs to not have fun that's important that's that is very important it is um I don't, how did we do? We didn't really end up having guests (laughs) typically on this show. I think, did we think we were going to, when we started that we were going to have people come in a lot? It just, it was too difficult or we didn't know how to. I think you're just, I think you just don't like guests really (laughs) because we've tried, I've tried on a few occasions, you know, to get some people booked, but then it was always, it was a little difficult. I think for you to find the time in your busy schedule Mm. You know, to, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm not, I'm not criticizing you, David, but I am criticizing you. No, I, I think it's right. You. It's hard sometimes to do the proper interview with two hosts and one person all in separate locations, but um, it's, it's, like, it's even harder in the, in, when you're not in the room, that's when in the room really mm-hmm, matters completely because then you see the visual cues of like when right. someone's going to stop, who's right. going to go, they see you, then you don't talk. Right. So even like in the, you know, in these little things, guess that we have had, there is like a certain amount of overlap and becomes, it becomes a little tricky. I don't think it's like makes for the best experience, but it would be nice to have at least one guest a month, I think, would be nice just to like get get some new perspectives in. Sure. And... New new perspective on sports and beer <laughs> and 
I don't think um, we talk about sports and beer that much, although there is some sports <laughs> chat in many episodes. Um, but I don't think it's it's overwhelming. I have received notes from people in the UK that say, well, I just don't understand any of this, um, you know, what you're talking about. And, uh, I, and I said, you don't want to understand the Vikings. <laughs> no, they definitely don't. They're so lucky not to have to do it. Um, I, I sometimes wonder, like, who the people who run UK Vikings Twitter. I just feel so sorry for these people. Don't even don't even go down that road. I do have one other note here just on this topic about beer. One thing your wife learned by listening, how much you dislike craft beer. Um, mm. I didn't know how strongly that was. And the movement, she says, his beer taste is a bit out of left field. I think not in line with one might expect based on its personal interests and things well-made and food preferences. So the craft beer movement, you're letting these people down anyway. Yeah. I just, I just don't like it. I don't know. What can I say? I mean, I'm, I think you're, I'm in the same boat as you, although I don't say things like I'll have your lightest beer. I would just never say that. <laughs> that, um, that was a, that was a, I was, that was a trial balloon. Um, <laughs> and I knew you were listening and I don't recommend anyone say that, but sometimes it is, um, you know, sometimes you just want something really, uh, refreshing. Um, yeah, I, it took me a long time to like beer, I think, you know, to be mm. honest. And I think beer is very much an acquired taste. Um, and I think there's certain situations where beer is amazing. Like I love all Mexican beer and all Japanese beer. I don't mm, know. I don't know I like what to it. say, but like, if you go to a sushi restaurant in Japan, you get a very yeah. cold draft beer in a nice mm. glass. Like that's pretty much as good as it gets. I love but it. I'm not like a really big beer person. I also don't mm. like biodynamic. I don't care about like natural wine. Like anytime I hear about that, I just don't, I just have a hard time with that. Uh, yeah, that's just me. Yeah. The beer to me is like the sports on the TV in the background. You know, it's a, it's the second screen experience. I'm not focusing on it. I just wanted to play along well and be good in the background. I think these people who are obsessed over it are, are analyzing it and bringing it into the foreground, which is fine. They're prerogative, but I like it as a, the accompanying situation as something else, or I just want to drink it in bath quantities while I'm outside and not not good to out of my way. <laughs> yeah. I think if you, you know, it's also, it's hard to tell the difference between certain wines for certain people. And if you mm -hmm. don't, not to say like, if I have a palate and whatever, but I think if you don't have a palate for it, it's hard to understand. But if you do have a palate for it, like craft beer and you love it and you can really find the nuance in it, then mm -hmm. it makes sense why people love it. Sure. I, ju I just don't, I don't have the palate for it. So I, I think I just can't get into it because I just either don't like it or can't tell the difference. Just say it's really hoppy. <laughs> just a lot about the hops, just lot, lots of hops. Um, so we're going to have a couple people on our friend, Chris Black, our friend, Matt Hranick, um, talk to them about whatever they're up to a little bit about the podcast, a little bit about media and just, you know, a little friend time for one year of central division. Sound like yeah. a plan? Yeah. It's been a good year. So, uh, I'm glad, I'm glad we made it. I, uh, no, no crimes have been committed. <laughs> no friendship, friendships jeopardize. You, as long as you get paid on time, you're fine, David. You, know, you never get mad, which is nice. <laughs> exactly. Please welcome our guest on the central division 50th episode, Chris Black. Hey now. What's up, fellas? What's up, fellas? That's 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 the voice of Chris Black. Um, we finally got around to having guests. Um, Chris, welcome to Central Division. Did you know we had a podcast? 
Of course, I'm very familiar with both of your personal brands and all of the important output, both um, readable and listenable varieties. Did you have to go in to uh, unmute us just for the weekend? Give us like a grace period of unmuting. (laughs) No, no, no. I actually, I'm not a big muter because I hate myself and I, I, I prefer, I prefer to um, interact with things I dislike on a daily basis. (laughs) Really? I would have thought you would go heavy, heavy on the mute, but, but that, that, that fuels your uh, antipathy towards trends and people. Well, unfortunately, I think I, I must uh, digest the good and the bad to then output my opinion, you know, like you said. So I have to not I mean, if somebody's giving me the the, um, you know, tiny dash Instagram stories, that's when I get into it. But but Twitter, I, I want to see it all in the Instagram. The, the visual medium is a little bit more difficult to navigate. I feel like right. when it comes to that. So this is our 50th. Uh, podcast. So we're celebrating with you. That's one year of central division. And, um, that was hard for us, but you, you do 50 podcasts and like, that's like a month. That's a, it's well, I mean, you know, look, I, we set unrealistic expectations for ourselves during the, uh, cursed COVID-19 pandemic. Um, and as life has returned, uh, I, we cannot take our foot off the gas at how long gone <laughs> industries it must we must continue to push and well, what we do three episodes a week. One of those episodes is, is just Jason and I, which that, that is much easier. So it's really, it feels like two, you know, can, can I ask, it, when, it, I have one very important question Yeah, go ahead. and then I'm done. You said you like, cause it has to do with Michael. You said you like talking to Jason when he's hung over. Well, what's that all about? And yeah. <laughs> does, Michael, do you like well, talking to me it, when I'm over? <laughs> No, it's it's a little it's a little bit of a, a wounded warrior situation. Mm. He's a little bit he's a little bit um, easier to pick on, and I also think he's <laughs> a little more raw emotionally, so he's able to open up more and maybe share more mm. with with me and, and therefore the audience. Um, nice. But also, I mean, his hangovers aren't what they used to be. Unfortunately, <laughs> it's like a little bit of natural wine and, and some you know edibles. So it's not you know it's not the debilitating kind of like McDonald's ordering variety right. that, that it once was. <laughs> That's funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, have you guys had to? You know, we've had a couple episode episodes that we've recorded that then we had to, to- fully just delete because <laughs> Coggins was uh, so hammered during the recording process that we had to just step away from. Have, have you guys this, ever experienced that? I like that. <laughs> Unfortunately, well, the no. I mean, I, I also though we, and maybe this doesn't affect Coggins because I feel like Coggins is willing to take a drink at any time of day, but we, we record <laughs> at noon, you know, noon. And so the only time people are drinking is if it, I mean, East coast Congress doesn't mind drinking at three o'clock or, or when the, when the visitors from across the pond join us, you know, they'll be, they'll be having a pint because it's, you know, evening, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Our, our, our recording time doesn't usually doesn't encourage that more. It's more of a coffee recording time. Yeah, we recorded eight thirty in the morning, and that doesn't stop Coggins, you know. <laughs> eight, so, eight, no, eight, eight's too early unless it's got an egg white in it. I, you know, then I'll have a. Um, but, I know, I know. Well, so, Jason, Jason actually mentioned your hangover cure all the time, Coggins. The crisp white shirt. Oh, yeah. He's he's brought that up multiple times. He, that really stuck with him. 
And I and the thing is, is I don't know if he owns a crisp white shirt, but he likes the idea of it quite a lot. It's, yeah, he really likes the, the idea. The metaphysical hangover. So, Chris, I think of done to death. Uh, the how long gone podcast is you're the ball dominant guard, right? And then yes. and then Jason is the post up spot up shooter who just drains a three every time he gets it because he's got a very high percentage of lines that land. Do you, so <laughs> as possibly the ball dominant guard of this podcast, how do you how do you just do you worry about when your partner says your podcast partner says I need to get some more airtime because that that happens sometimes in uh, Central. I, I actually I, I haven't heard that from Jason before. I think he prefers to lurk in the shadows and only come in when he's got something worth hearing. <laughs> um, I don't know. And let you it's cook. funny though because he yeah it was funny because he's like a. Um, you know, he's, he is a, a early to podcasting. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So he had a podcast for years and years and years, and he absolutely knows how to, to direct one and keep it on the tracks. And I've heard him do it countless times, but I think my, my type a personality coupled with the fact that I do the booking, it's kind of, I've <laughs> fallen into the, that, the leadership role here. Uh, it, it wasn't by design. It feels like having been a guest, uh, just, I think, reluctantly on but your I mean, side. You guys- like, wait, wait. Um, you know, I will say that it's it does yeah. feel like rapid fire. And Jason is everything he says is very pointed. Right. And very well thought out. And you're also then leading you down another road. So it's almost like you're trying to focus on what Chris is saying. And then Jason is also hitting you with these things that like make you think. And so you kind of, as a guest, I, f- I feel like it's pretty sort of unnerving, right. To get through it's, it. It feels like very, very rapid fire situation. You had to, you had to we bring love, your we love, we love to unnerve a guest. That is. Yeah. It's like you're being made fun of in two voice. different I mean, ways. I think that exactly. I would say of people that come on have never heard the podcast before, um, which are obviously our favorites uh, (laughs) because then they have absolutely no idea what they're getting into. And um, that's usually a little more fun. Uh, But, and hopefully that trend continues as we get, I still hope that most people don't take the time to to listen for an hour, you know? (laughs) Well, we have to deal with little, uh, little Chris fans that people coming to, book events with your merch sitting in the front row prominently or <laughs> shamefacedly admitting that they've they're big uh how long gone fans and i say it's all right um we now have to beg to get into this bowery show this is insane i don't know what's worse going to buy tickets uh, at a off the black market Look, or having to beg to get in and get on the list this is totally humiliating it's your dream I am, we were pressured we were, we were pressured by our booking agents to add a second date and I showed ultimate restraint and said, absolutely not. And we're not comedian. I'm not doing an early show and a late show. I don't, you know, I don't really, that's not really my thing. I kind of want to, I want to burn out bright, but Coggins feel free to take the, uh, take the, uh, Acela over to Philadelphia. You know what I mean? Oh Ticket. Still tickets available. Tickets still available in Philadelphia. So if you want to come over to Johnny Brenda's and join us there, uh, you know, that'd be great. That'd be great for Um, everybody. Uh, Boston also tickets still available. Oh God. That um, (laughs) I can't imagine anything. I don't want to say where it is, but Boston. So it must be an all age show. I'm presuming if you guys sold out. (laughs) All of our shows are all ages. Um, I think that uh, I, I Boston, we, 
Nomi Fry is she is taking the Acela with us and joining us in Boston. Oh, that's I nice. thought we had kind of like a yeah, you know, it's a college town. I thought they would yeah. like to if we brought a literary a literary celebrity yeah. with us to kind of help help <laughs> ticket sales. They don't, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. It hasn't really been it's been soft announced, so so we'll see if, if, if tickets start selling a little a little faster. But I apologize for any any fans that you guys have to endure, unless they're subscribing and paying. Then no. you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're happy to have you on the Substack uh, platform. I, you're, you were so um, dismissive. And now I, I'm seeing Chris Black musings, diaries showing up on the Substack. Well, look, it's not my Substack. I just want to make that clear. <laughs> okay. uh, but no, I think that the, um, I know I, no, I, I, I I like Substack quite a lot, especially if it's done by people who like that, that what you're talking about, my friends that asked me to do that. Um, it's, it's kind of like a concept, right? So it's like a, it's a, only about summer. They ask you to write a diary. It's called three month fever. And then they're actual editors, you know? So they mm. send me back, oh. they send me back quite a lot of notes, which is nice. That's, that's part of the reason it's, that's what I think a Substack I like that it's it has like a beginning and an end and it's got an editor. It's it's like a different take on it, which I gotcha. don't understand. So you, you you're bullish on Substack though. But yeah. I like yours. I, I I'm I'm bullish on Substack generally, <laughs> but I like David's because it's um I like that you you use the comment section as like a conversation. I think that's a really smart, smart application of, of the, of the product. I don't think it, I, I've never seen anyone else do that. And I think that's a very smart way to use it. And that keeps people coming back because it's, because it's interactive. As you know, I don't want to talk to my fans, but you're <laughs> really good at You're, you're great at it. You're great. And I'm glad somebody does that. They need that. They need that. You know? Yeah. People need to talk about uh, tweed jackets in some safe place because they you know they, they can um, interact with the rest of society so well. So they, they've got me because I can't interact with society either. Wait, can we can I just well, say I mean, to you that, that Chris is drinking a gallon of Poland Spring? He's 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 like a real gym rat with that <laughs> giant butt. Yeah. Oh Wait, so, so what what are you're in New York, right, Chris? I'm in New York. Yeah, I got here um, last night uh and i'm here for a little while actually for you know new york fashion week's triumphant return i had to come back and oh, nice. tap in um and this well, is well i'm actually i'm actually here for jacob gallagher's wedding as well so oh just, my you know, goodness that out there. nice <laughs> okay uh, that's right yeah um yeah. we couldn't get jacob here for that reason he's uh trying on his uh his leopard's print and tuxedo. Um, but this is the Delta triumvirate right here. I mean, these are the three most Delta. Uh, this is like a Delta club meeting. Delta variant or Delta it's, it's, the airline. Both. I'm, uh, um, I'm, I'm guys. I am just, I can taste my diamond medallion nice, status Nice. as a long time platinum guy who hasn't been able to make it over the hump. Thanks to the cursed coronavirus and getting a second Delta credit card, I'm finally <laughs> about to reach the the pinnacle of Delta status, which I don't know what it even means except more upgrades, which I'm happy for. But I, I don't the fact that I can't bring a guest into the lounge without paying, I hope that is a diamond medallion status. Yeah, that's a choice. That is what I'm gifted. It's, yeah, that's a choice benefit. So you can choose to upgrade your your uh 
whatever sky club status right and then you can bring someone else in as a choice you can maybe that's that's a plot that's a diamond medallion status (laughs) yeah yeah. that's just the the option yeah it's the feeling wait do you think you're gonna actually reach diamond though because you moved to la well it's because i flew back and yeah forth to new york like seven times delta one on a corporate dime and I think that nice. just got me closer than I've ever been. And unfortunately, it also ruined my, ruined my life because now I can never return can't go back. to Comfort Plus. It's tough. <laughs> it's I, tough back there. I can't. After, I mean, I can't. I'll go any. Uh, if it's in Atlanta, if it's like New York to anywhere on the East Coast, I don't really care, to be honest. But, oh, man, you know, I need to stretch these legs, guys. The yeah, quads are tight, as you can imagine. If your fans see you in Comfort Plus, they can't have the same respect. You know, well, Duke Ellington this is the issue. first class. <laughs> Exactly. This is the the issue that we're having with this tour is that since it's stand up style and we're doing kind of fly outs, you know, it's weekends, basically. Jason, of course, his broke boy ass has no status with any airline. <laughs> and I'm going to I'm going to be, of course, sitting in my upgraded seat while Big Bird is, is you know, leaning, leaning on the bathroom door. And oh I can't goodness. really I, I'm I'm embarrassed for for him but i'm also concerned with the optics as you can imagine <laughs> i thought you guys would have built that into your contract you know that he get, he gets a little extra you know so he can uh, get himself up front i'm looking at it as a charity donation that i'm going to help raise his status with delta since that i refuse to fly anything else so it's it's once again i give and give and give companion fare i don't don't tell jason about companion fares you can get one for him too if you have a certain card but that (laughs) separate um so is this tour are you is this the future for you or is this a one-time thing or where where, what do we feel about the how long gone on the road i mean how long gone i look i don't obviously i don't want to do this like touring (laughs) is not my idea of fun i've been I've, i've done it and been around it many times in my life but i think that the um I think the opportunity is pretty big. And I think we were able to do it at the venues we want to do it at that we think are like historically relevant. So I think that's really fun for us. And I mean, to be honest, it's, it's, it's means to an end, right? If we want to take this thing to TV, we have to have a proof of concept that it works in a bunch of different settings, whether, you know, beyond just, just the, the podcast itself. So I think that us kind of exploring the, um, you know, late night model uh of mm. of kind of run of show is this is the best this is the best way this is the only way to do it really unless it's like youtube um which is is low stakes in in my opinion so this was the next logical step i think did you ever think that has that ever been something you thought about doing wanted to do had a desire to do is tv i mean is that something you've like thought oh maybe one day i'll do this I mean, I think that, you know, when I was younger, I wanted to be on the real world because it seemed like the craziest <laughs> thing on earth. And that was like a new concept, you know? <laughs> um, and, and no, no, not necessarily. I think it's, it's more just like, I'm open to that. And so is Jason. And now we have this thing that could translate there, I think, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So working towards that in some way, whether it's overt or not, I think is, is kind of something that's in our, in, our, in the back of our heads all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I, Jason, who knows, he, he could leave me and return to his career of turntablism and I could be, you know, 
next in line for the the latest show the, the when they finally put a late night show on at 3 a.m on a you <laughs> know nice. on stars maybe maybe <laughs> I, maybe i could do that you know um Street, but, streaming but i think it's peacock. also about yeah exactly it's peacock plus you got the extra for this <laughs> um but yeah i think that i think that us having the bands play and like having the guests come out that's like a format that people recognize and that is so like baked in to kind of specifically like the American zeitgeist is like a mm-hmm. thing that like we right. know how this works. So if we can try to put our own spin on that or at least bring new energy to it, then I think that's, that's success. You know, it, it's really that simple. That's cool. I always thought, I always thought that you and Jason would make your TV debut as the charter guests on below deck. Like you'd be <laughs> the really demanding. I mean, Oh God. That is a dream. That is a dream. Like as, as someone's, as like a rich person's weird friends, like the, the friend, Jason's the friend that gets too drunk. And I'm the one asking for like very specific food. This, this oat milk will not do. No, I mean, I, I, exactly. I would love below deck charter guests would be great. I mean, I'm still angling to be the bartender on watch what happens live with Andy Cohen. Which I've been told multiple people tell me, oh yeah, I got you. I can take care of that, no problem. And then it doesn't happen. No. So I'm a <laughs> yeah. little, I'm, I'm waiting for that to finally, uh, you know, actualize. Mm-hmm. Um, but the campaign, the campaign does not end. Uh, the, the Bravo Network is the end all be all. They don't have a late night program except for what, watch what happens live. So it is something to consider. Nice. It is something to consider. So are your fans on this tour expecting some Chris FaceTime? Are they going to, are they, are you going to be a make, make yourself available to some of the youngsters out there who, 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 or is that a. No, no. The idea we've already thought this through. We've, we were putting in order for a Chris black life-size cutout. We're going to put that next to the, the, the merch booth. So if you want photos, you can get a photo. And then as soon as the show is over, like kind of like a, a classic music doc, you know, you can follow me. I put the <laughs> mic down. I walk straight through the backstage. I grab a towel, a towel off. I hop into the Escalade. It whisks me away to the hotel or to the private airport, depending on the city. Jason, of course, will have to stay, kind of talk to people. He'll have to pack <laughs> up the merch, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But that's kind of, that's a division of labor that we've, that we've already kind of worked out. He's agreed to that and didn't even right. seem that upset by it. I'm being honest with you. I think that's the after idea, party, yeah. when, what, what day is this at the Bari? We've got to, um, I don't know if I'm going to be back. Uh, I've, I do feel like there's going to be October, some after. No, it's, a, it's a while ago. October, oh. October 23rd. You got time. Oh, we got time. Interesting. That doesn't like conflict it. with your it's wedding. Like, that it tour starts October in Atlanta at the Earth. Sorry. <laughs> as is in my fishing trip. That's mostly what it is. <laughs> I might be in Montana, but uh, if that doesn't happen, um, that's it's exciting. Yeah, well, we'll we're happy. In, we'll be in, and yeah, thank you guys. I mean, we're happy too. Tickets are still on sale for the other day. I think Chicago or Shubas might be sold out, but um, no, I think that, some of our listeners, know, kids, it's, it's they might want to go. So that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I do truly hope that you know when we're when we're in Denver on a Wednesday night there's kind of a nice grouping of parents back at the bar you know they're 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 there they're enjoying themselves in a different way right. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly yeah exactly exactly you guys probably have a big Denver listenership I would imagine <laughs> huge huge Denver yeah. Carbondale <laughs> um 
Well, Chris, thank you so much for stopping by. It seems like now that you're, you know, you're now that you're big time, when people see you, they have to ask, you know, what town you're in. Are you by coastal? You've got a BMW, all these things like it's your diamond status. You're running out of is the only thing. Bravo. Bravo. Late night. Where are you going to go? I mean, you're going to have it all by the time you're, you know, 35. If having a soccer mom car and two, you know, mid-priced apartments is is success, then I am the face of that, and I'm proud. I'm proud to be here, and I'm proud to to give you know a face to the faceless. So that's great. Thank you, uh, thank you guys for having me. Congratulations on, on 50 episodes. Um, and uh, I, Mike, Michael, I still I'm going to take you up on this pizza offer. I need to come get some some pizza from oh. the the famed oven. And uh, come by before I, I won't. I'm going to hold you if I can. I don't know if I have time. The Palisades. Speaking of success, the Palisades. I mean, that's an hour and a half from me. I don't even know where that is. So You'd have to I'll take a helicopter. Back. You'd really just come straight from LAX one day. Just you know. Do they have a blade? Do they have a blade service from LAX to your house? It's ACL branded. It's ACL golf branded helicopter. Yeah, it's I like, like a, that idea a lot. It, I like it's that like a landing. A we have a landing pad and a driving range all all in one. You know, it's it's uh, it's for the community, really. You know, I got it. I got it passed through zoning just by making at a community feature but it's it's actually just never open to anyone but me yeah that's right central division here for the community the exactly. acl golf here for the community uh all right thank you fellas Thanks, i will chris. see you i will see you soon take care chris. later guys bye thank you for listening to the central division 50th episode our next guest you may know from such things as meet negronis and instagram not necessarily in that order ladies and gentlemen matt rannick Oh Matthew, my fucking Matthew. God. You know what I came home to? <laughs> what? Tell us. We're recording. So this is all going to be in the universe. Tens of listeners. Uh, a solid quarter inch of water and mud in my basement in Brooklyn. Oh no. You got oh, no. a sub, sub pump issue? What's going on? Uh, thank God I'm a guy that own, I, I owns a, uh, a shop vac. <laughs> <laughs> is, is that uh, true? So I have been shop vac. Oh shit. There goes my. There goes my drink. Um, I've been shop backing water for the last hour. I'm I am totally oh soaked through my vintage Sean Crowley overpriced um, Oxford. Um, <laughs> now you're going to get a letter from Sean Crowley's legal after saying that. <laughs> Hold, let, let's start. You're you're in Brooklyn, Matt. Most people are surprised to know that you're um, you're not in uh, you're not in the south of France or Greek Island or the Catskills. Or, okay, or, so we just you're right. So we just drove from the Catskills where it it rained nonstop for at least 24 hours. And um you know, I love home ownership. Particularly <laughs> when you when you have the most ridiculous real estate portfolio of anyone, which is like two vacation homes that you own and a rental in Brooklyn. <laughs> it's like the most absurd thing. Okay. So we had water issues up at the house, uh, but not like water in the house, but we were running out of water. Like someone would take a shower and you turn on the faucet to like brush your teeth and you're like, where's the water? So we left that a deficit of water to right. a um, uh, bonus of water. <laughs> in the basement. And uh, so now I'm back in Brooklyn and 
Are there too many buttons unbuttoned? No, this is great. No, no one's going to see this except okay. us. So you're we on video only for so us. Matt's not, he's wearing muck boots, uh, cut off denim shorts, no shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and a Dante that's, that's hat. Neat... Thank you, we, you know, pleasure. we, you may not have known we had a podcast. It is behind a paywall. <laughs> I know that was, uh, we're, we're going to, well, there wasn't. Well, issue. you know, now I'm forced to actually listen to it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Now you have, and that's to, good. Now, so we know, we know the only way to get it. people on it. Is it, um, how, how are you doing? Matt? How's uh, summer your summer? Has been great. Uh, I think one of the highlights was the, uh, Coggins Houghton, uh, visit to France, mm. which was really good fun. Excellent. Excellent. And, um, I, uh, kind of, I don't know. I didn't want to leave. I didn't want to, you know, but Clara, my daughter, who's on her way to Edinburgh in uh, Scotland for university, um, put the pressure on to come back and actually get ready for college. How selfish yeah. is that? How selfish? It's sweet. It's romantic. So what, what does getting ready for college mean in 2021? I think it's me going to REI and buying the biggest <laughs> duffel bags that exist in known men. Michael Williams, I need, I may need your help. We need like lightweight ripstop, like military style duffels for Clara's, um, you know, we're all kind of heavy hoarder slash overpackers. So, oh, yeah, I think that's a good move. I think what we what we could do is we can ask Coggins and then do the exact opposite of whatever he recommended <laughs> recommends. <laughs> do they have like a um, hundred liter duffels with with wheels? That's what I want. <laughs> and I jump out from the inside. That's my uh, you know lighter, Clara. You, you know, I would see. I see Matt. Like sending Claire off to college, especially on an, you know, in, in Europe. Uh, in the way I see that going is Matt being like, well, I can ship over the Range Rover and I'll, I'll just, I'll pack all her stuff in the shipping container in the car. And then, Wait. and then I'll ship, uh, I'll ship a, a left hand drive home. Uh, or right. But you have no idea. That is exactly the strategy. That's the exit strategy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm going to exa- do that exact thing. In four years, you know? <laughs> well, you have yeah, to you, visit every year, so that could be one per per annum. Well, I, I've also threatened Clara. I mean, David, you know how much I love Scotland, Michael. You, yeah. do. you know, we were all in Scotland together, um, and then David and I did that great trip um, mm-hmm. to Lewis Harris. Um, I, I've threatened Clara endlessly that I'm going to be the kind of old geezer at the bar who sends over a round of drinks to her and her friends, and they're like. <laughs> Where where did this come from? It's like uh, my dad, my, my dad at the bar, you know, like, and I'm with like some scrappy terrier. At, you know, right, exactly. Yeah. Matt, well, let me let me ask. I thought question, he worked David, here before no. you go, David. Um, Matt, let me ask you: Do you like France more than Scotland, or do you do you feel more comfortable in Scotland? Well, let, let me let me give you my my France rundown. Okay, I love I love France. This is what I love about France. I I think the house that we have is terrific. I think the the food and the the wine and the beauty of the culture is just so intense and so so amazing. I think the French are so completely grumpy, and you know, uh, I I've never been beeped at in the most unrealistic traffic conditions. You know, where you're like, I've just given you four car lengths, and they pull out and you're just like, eh, you know, like <laughs> the French the French are just ornery and grumpy, 
And I haven't quite found the charm of that yet, but I do love the place and I love our house and I love the region that we're in and it's quiet and it's sleepy and it's surrounded by vineyards. And mm. um, I mean, there's a part of me that's like, if I had to pick a lane with Europe, Italy is definitely my sweet spot and what I, I, I love so much and I love everything about the culture and it's in my DNA and all that stuff. Um, so where that being said, we're heading to Sicily in September <laughs> to look at a house. <laughs> oh, is that happening? <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Um, I, 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 we should make a, one of those, what's that? Um, Home buyers international vacation hunters international. Wait, I tried to do that. I oh tried, we, we pitched this whole story of like, you know, the European house renovation and uh, you know, how a man who speaks no word of the language, yeah. you know, figures out where an outlet goes. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> it's very triumphant it's going to Matt's house, which is, is absolutely wonderful. Seeing the things that he had to do is uh, it's not just enjoying the beauty. It's knowing what you did to accomplish that and achieve that. And it's very um, admirable. It's really inspiring. Well, thank you. I mean, to have such a, you know, aesthetic barometer as David Coggins there. <laughs> we were going to call the podcast, the aesthetic barometer. It was too <laughs> Approving of, I would say 90% of the, the things, except there wasn't like a, 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 like a curtain to block the view from the street to the pool. That was, I think that was something. I, well, I had to give you one into. thing. I had to give you one bit of something. Otherwise, yeah. even that. <laughs> I actually looked into doing that, but when after you left, um, but uh, it is, it is, you know, it is great to um, have people there and enjoy it. And, um, you know, it's a sleepy little tiny little village and mm -hmm. I don't know. How you like seeking things out. You like seeking out, so, like you like the challenge of fixing something up and finding the correct solution to it and, and tracking down 18th century tile or the correct uh, um, period, correct windows or something like that. That's part yeah. of your, that's part of your now mission. Well, I think the joy of that is, you know, I, I didn't ever want to like have this house in France and suddenly make it look like my East Hampton, East Hampton fantasy or Montauk fantasy, whatever. Mm -hmm. I wanted it to, you know, what we liked about France is all that old stuff, which we don't get in America. And what I'm learning that this region of France doesn't like is all that old stuff. So uh, it's really been a, a terrific challenge in the best way to kind of put, you know, get that house up to speed in the most authentic way that feels right for us. And, um, that that journey has been a lot of fun. And also, you know, I'm I'm cheap. I, I want to, <laughs> you know, I, I want to do this as cost effectively as possible. And luckily, um, you know, there is all these kind of Vide Grenier's and Brocons and stuff, which I which is a part of the hunt that I love as well, to uh get that house in in the right orientation with as little money as possible. Oh, I think cheap is the I don't think that's actually the 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 association people have with cheap is is different. Like you bring cheapness to like an art form or something. It's the <laughs> highest form of it's like you're looking for an expression of the correct thing at a in the most 
a dis- low co- impact financial way, but you, you do it in a, it's loving almost, it's not flinty or ungenerous. It's like you challenging yourself to do it in a way. So yes, you're a cheap bastard, which who we love, but you, you do it in a way that I, I find I, I really admire and is, uh, is really great. It's a much more celebratory way. It's like a, it's like finding a, an affordable solution, which is, is, is artful. Well, I think it, again, it goes back to the hunt, right? And I'm mm. looking to find the, the thing at you know the best price and the bargain <laughs> and, and all that stuff so um, you do that in every in every aspect of your life yes do you remember one bmw we were looking at <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i i think listen there are things that i'm incredibly frugal about like i love like my mother's appalled that I buy cheap paper towels and not like the most expensive, like bound, you know, like, mm-hmm. I, I don't like it, but like I, we were in the flea market in, uh, in Bordeaux where we are. And there was this most amazing woman who had this collection of postcards from the 19th century. There were all like, there were flower illustrations. There's one person in the world that does not give a crap about any of that, but it is me. But when I saw that and Yolanda's absolute, focus and how beautiful they were i was like we need to buy all of them and she it was sort of like her giving up her children and she was like gave us this incredibly like expensive price she counted all of them and i just was like we just need to own these like we can't let this thing not be together as a volume of stuff and that's where i was just like threw down whatever how many hundreds of euros just to have this thing in my life and i think you know, I want to spend money on stuff that I think is precious and thoughtful and valuable and has a purpose. And then the other stuff I really don't care about. That's amazing. Are you ready? Are you ready to negotiate with Sicilian contractors? Uh, <laughs> Matt ran a glass on. scene. Bring, bring it on. I think this is the moment you need to get back into TV, Matt. I think this is like, <laughs> this is it, baby. I, I know because Every, uh, everything's been building to here. <laughs> Matt versus the contractors. Exactly. Uh, if he has any um, good contacts, you want to develop that show. Let me know. <laughs> Matt, what? Uh, I think so. My, um, are you on IMDb as an actor? I did. I actually think I do have an IMDb for alternate route. Hmm. Um, remind people. Remind some of our younger one. listeners what uh, alternate route was. Some would say ahead of its time. Uh, Okay. Yolanda and I actually were talking about this in the car because she, uh, as well as you, David Coggins, have been, you know, forcing my hand in this newsletter idea, right? Mm. Which I do think is an important part of the, of the, the digital dialogue with the magazine. And I know, you know, Michael, you and Michael are definitely uh, kind of a bench standard for that kind of stuff. And I think that uh, that is, in the hopper for fall. So we were talking about the show and what that meant. So alternate route was basically an extension of the, the blog, the William Brown project that I started writing in 2008, that a St. Louis production company saw it. And they were like, we think this is a show. And I said, well, I don't disagree. And they said, well, but we think we, you should host the show. And as somebody who used to pretend they had a cooking show in their mother's kitchen when I was like eight to 10 years old, I was like, oh, I, maybe I could do that. So Esquire Network, which was NBC Universal property, took the, bought the Esquire name to create a men's 
television station. This is OG Time Warner television station uh, that was kind of men's content. And they, I developed this show with them called Alternate Route, which was a kind of travel inspired lifestyle thing. So you landed in Nashville, you got it, you got the appropriate car. In this case it was like a Ford F-150. You found like old school, new school style, food, beverage, yeah. blah, blah, blah. 26 minutes later, it was done. So we did six of them and then it fell flat on its face. It was canceled. There was no one wanted to put any money behind it. And why, I think, the, why do you think, why do you, why do you think it didn't, it didn't work? Because then, you know, everything else you've done, even with William Brown, it's like, it's all been very consistent. Like it was very true to what you were interested in and, and your point of view, right? Like I watched it. It didn't feel like, you know, this is something Matt would never do. Like the producers forced him to do some weird stuff or whatever. I think that's a great question. And I think the biggest problem was finding audience. Now let's face this. Okay. Here's let's face facts here. If my mom, the super fan of all super fans, mm cannot find it on her time warner station and she's looking very mm -hmm. aggressively then nobody's going to find it and i right. think that was the thing it was before everybody was watching things on devices right and they had a very old school antiquated point of view in the distribution model which was we're going to create a network on time warner on the upper end of cable and blah 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 blah, blah. and i just think it never found its audience and i think that that is the the biggest problem um, I think with what happened with that and it just fell flat and, and it was just at the point, it was just at the cusp where, you know, Netflix and all these streaming services and all, all these other platforms, people were turning to for that type of content. And they were like, why am I spending $120 a month on cable television with mm -hmm. three quarters of stuff? So I think it didn't find its audience is the short answer. You know. but it is funny that at that time, I mean, the upper end of cable is a phrase. I don't even know if people would know it was, you know, it's like channel 279 or something, but now everything is, can be streamed so easily and found so easily that it was, it was a little ahead of its time. So I'm, I'm ready for this. I love the idea of you make, are there videos of you making food in your mom's kitchen, AJ to 10? What, what was happening? Uh, no, but I would <laughs> love to recreate some of that. that that's it. I mean, there's your TV show I mean, between Sicily that. and that. I'll tell you what, though, even if, you know, the thing that sticks out in my brain of all Matt's musings on all platforms is you would go to Clara's dentist in New Jersey and go to some sandwich shop and it was amazing. And I'm like, I just Damn. want more like random sandwich shop content from Matt. Like you work the turnpike and uh, take <laughs> us to sandwich shops. That well, to me is perfect. Well, that was be the beauty of the blog dialogue which i loved and i and i have to say like i loved um blog spot i thought it was just like and maybe that is the Substack solution because it it, it, it was so limited in its design mm -hmm. its font choice but i was able to like wake up and talk about this would be the have been the perfect subject like a sandwich shop in bayonne like so organically and so quickly and then but now there's so many layers of all that kind of stuff right. and that's and that's probably why I turned to Instagram and was just bored with the blog because it was so much more, the interface was simpler, quicker on the fly. Do you still like um, it? Do you feel like it's still as meaningful? Like, is it still like feel right for you? I, I, you know, I like the, I like the dialogue with people the most on Instagram and I'm, I'm very lucky 
that I don't, <laughs> I don't have too many trolls, even though I deserve more, I'm sure. <laughs> um, but you know, I don't really fend off too much negativity. I think it's a more, it's a very positive dialogue, but I think in general, what I like about, uh, uh Instagram, um, and, and also coming from an old, old school media magazine world was, uh, that I like this immediate dialogue with people that are quote unquote viewers. And mm-hmm. that part I like, I mean, am I bored with the algorithms and the politics and the weird shit of the, you know, the back end of that with Instagram? Yeah, sure. But, um, I love, I love creating quick like-minded relationships. And I think Instagram is good for that. Yeah. It's cool. Uh, when you're when you're promising uh, Sicilian plumber that you're going to post his business on <laughs> on on William yeah. at Instagram, I'm sure that will really help uh, drive yeah. the cost down. Can <laughs> you please <laughs> post uh, this bidet? Matt, <laughs> <laughs> you definitely if you if you feel like you guys aren't communicating well, you, the best thing to do is just speak more loudly. And, <laughs> yeah. th- and that's how you get your point across. So just <laughs> elevate the volume. That's how the, that's what they like. Yeah, yeah, I'm on it. Um, anything you want to plug, Maddie? I think you got a new some new oh, look at this. material out. Fred, hot off the presses. Oh, the, nice. Um, the uh, follow-up sister book of Negroni is uh, Martini: Perfection in a Glass. Um, those little books with artisan have been um, a lot of fun to do. I mean, this is not, and I mean, I'm an expert on one level, but this is not a professional point of view. This is just sort of like how I like drinks and I'm and been inspired by the, the pros who do it. And that'll come out in a few weeks at the end of September. Sweet. And yeah. And then there's a cookbook in the works uh, that will probably be out with artisan in the next probably year or so. I guess. That's great. Just quickly for people listening who are obsessed, because I don't think everyone actually knows just off the top of their head. How do you make your Negroni and how do you make your martini? What's your, what's the Rannick ratio? Both of them involve more gin. Okay. So my Negroni uh, is, I would say, one and a half ounces of gin, three quarter ounce vermouth, and then a full ounce in a splash of Campari. I like the bitter and the gin more than I like the vermouth. Um, I always use big slices, um, some would call like cafeteria style slices of orange. Uh, in my drink, I don't obsess about ice. I'm happy with most ice. And, um, I think the martini is, uh, and David, you've had a couple of those with me at my house. I think the the gin comes out of the freezer frozen. The vermouth is kind of just swirled in out of a hopefully frozen glass as well. I keep a bunch of glasses in the freezer, chucked out, pour the gin, twist the lemon or olive, basta. The beautiful thing about that is that it does not take a long time. You are pouring it into, and, and there's something, especially as I get older, the faster that cocktail is happening, there's something to be said for that. No fuss, no nothing. And it works really well. So do you think the Negroni works? The ice doesn't matter because you drink it so fast that it's like not. <laughs> Actually, I think the Negroni, I think the dilution that happens in the Negroni with the ice is really key. And if I get one with, with a big ice cube or with the little ice cube, it doesn't matter. Uh, 
like I said, like, I don't get nutty about that. Like, I think if somebody does make a Negroni in, in the ice, you're in a warm climate, for example, and the ice is melting quickly, I'll always add more ice. And contrary to popular observation, including my mom, who thinks I'm a full on alcoholic, I don't drink like 15 Negronis at a setting, you know, at a sitting. Like, I'll drink one or two, be, you know, before a meal or whatever. Um, and then I like them often at the end of a long night or meal whatever, on the rare occasion. But I do like the dilution that happens um, with Negroni to a certain point and then it gets too watery. Um, but I think with Martini, um, I just like them as cold as possible. And I yeah. think by just stirring the, the, by stirring or shaking, and I know there's purists who just love stirring stuff, which I, in my opinion, takes too long. I, I just think it's not, it's never cold enough where, so, but when it comes out of the freezer, it's just perfection. And this mm. pasta is so good. So colder is better with martini. Icier is better with Negroni. Sweet. Man. We'll, um, we'll link to Matt's new book in the program notes. Um, it's great to see you, Matt. Sorry about the, um, Wait, the before, before we go, you. David, I want to, I want to tell Matt one thing, you know, Costco sells paper towels that are made at the same factory that Bounty makes their paper towels. The Bounty oh, paper wow. towels, Kirkland okay. brand. So <laughs> the Kirkland. Yeah. So they're oh, not. They're cheap and they're good. Okay, like, good. I'm into oh, it. your mom. Uh, my mom would be <laughs> proud. And uh, you know, Coggins knows I buy everything at the Pex Market in Upstate New York. So. Um, uh, I guess I'm to, just swing yeah. over to red hook before you uh before you head <laughs> yeah. out of town <laughs> is that it that's i only get to see you guys for 52 uh what is this, it this is we can um because this is part of our spectacular matt, i think we should have matt back though and do like do a full episode i know we'll david have, doesn't we'll like guests but um right. it makes him nervous do you see how nervous he's acting Look it's at that. hard be nervous with me i'm not gonna embarrass no no it's not that it's just it's harder to have a three-way conversation over zoom um than it is in person or than it is one-on-one -on -one. and um if yeah we well, was partly because we have a multi-guest spectacular this being our 50th show <laughs> and our, so we had uh we're hitting Plus, our we're hitting we our demo we, we saw the we saw in your we hacked into your ring camera and we see that the pump uh, the pump truck has showed up out front. To clear out your basement. <laughs> One eight hundred sub pump. Um, when you hey, well, when, listen, you, listen, when listen, you close I, on the Sicilian house, we'll uh, we'll be there for all of what you can. Hey, I I miss you guys. It's yeah. always a it's always a pleasure to see you in the flesh, um, and I hope that happens sooner than later. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks, Matt. Care, Good Matt. to talk Thanks. to you. Thanks. Okay. Ciao. See you. Bye. Bye. Daddy, you going to record your podcast? Who's David Collins?